American Road Trip Talk begins after this message. You know his vision of America, but do you know his name? One of the most highly respected artists of America's Great Depression era, John Stuart Curry, defined the country's perceptions of the American Midwest. His painting, Tornado Over Kansas, is still one of the most iconic images in U.S. pop culture today. For the first time in a quarter century, Curry's masterworks will be exhibited under one roof. Visit the Muskegon Museum of Art in Michigan this summer to see John Stuart Curry weathering the storm, an exhibition of life, art, and the American Midwest. To learn more, visit muskeganartmuseum.org forward slash Curry. The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Glad to have you along for the ride. Glad to be working alongside Nathan Miller, our producer. This is American Road Trip Talk. We'll be back with the interview right after this. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I want to bring attention to a life-saving product called Alert Drops. Drowsy driving is one of the most catastrophic problems in America, and Alert Drops will stop it. What is Alert Drops? Alert Drops is a simple spray on the tongue made out of citric acid, sour lemon, and water. A simple spray on the tongue, nothing in your system, and you're naturally awake, naturally alert. Go to alertdrops.com. Very important. Go to alertdrops.com and stay safe. Miss a show on KKNW? Check out 1150kknw.com for podcasts of many of our programs. That's 1150kknw.com. Welcome back to American Road Trip Talk. In today's episode, Washington State has more than her fair share of small towns with plenty of charm to go with their natural beauty offering a unique experience in each locale. Contributor Matt Shea is back with us, and he has lots to share about these mellow destinations. Matt Shea, welcome back, sir. Always good to be working with you. Thank you, Gary, and a happy Friday to you and everyone. It's happy when it's March 1. I always celebrate it privately as the day that starts the month that starts spring. Okay. (laughs) It's just a little something that I do. (laughs) Matt, people before long are going to be taking their road trips. Maybe it's a staycation. Maybe they're coming from big cities. Maybe they're coming from out of state. And there are a number of places that you and I have identified that offer that small town charm, Washington state style. And we'll get to as many of them as we can during today's episode. I'll tell you what, Matt, why don't we go ahead? Uh, I'm starting it with ABC here, uh, just because, and after that, we'll see where the road takes us. But why don't we start with A, A standing for Anacortes. Gary, you're starting off with arguably the most fun playground I've ever had. Anacortes was incorporated in 1879, and this is a town that I frequent throughout the month, sometimes several times during the week. Why? I catch pretty good rainbow trout up there. Two-pound trout, that equates to 17 inches plus. Lots of eagles out there. I like that. I'll even toss them a fish if I don't want to keep it. But there's even more than that. 
we have Mount Erie. And Mount Erie, you could actually drive to the top. There's a beautiful park there, and there has an opening where you could overlook an aerial view of Anacortes. But approaching Mount Erie, there's Lake Erie. And Lake Erie even has the famous Lake Erie coffee and mercantile. This is something from the 1920s that has been relocated in recent years. It's a petticoat junction touch. You expect to see Sam Drucker himself behind the counter because it is refurbished from that era. Great coffee, great homemade ice cream. You could sit out front under the awning. You were in America 100 years ago. But just behind the mercantile, it's not just Lake Erie, which is a seasonal lake. They have the Lake Erie campgrounds. You could camp there year-round. Now, if we head a little north, we're at Heart Lake, another great fishing spot seasonal. Lots of fishing spots there. But then we hit town. We have Commercial Street. They have fantastic restaurants on both sides. They have Bob's Chowder, barbecued salmon. They have Coconut Kenny's. They have the Rockfish Grill, which I've gone to many times. And when people see my plate of fish and chips, they stop, look at it. I lift it up. They point and say, hey, I want to have this right here. Famous for their fish and chips. The Village Pizza there. They also have fishing charters there. And there's even more. They have a historical museum on a steamboat from 1929, the W.T. Preston Museum. It is in mint condition. You can get on board and look at artifacts from last century. And if you go a little more west from Anacortes, you're at the ferry terminals that take you to the San Juan Islands. We're talking the San Juans, and if the frequency's right, you're going to get your share of Canadian radio stations because that's our neighbor. Anacortes. Yes. And you compare it to Petticoat Junction. Well, I did with the mercantile because that's the era for that store, and that is how it is refitted. The canned goods, the camping goods, the coffee, sitting outside with the locals there, the wonderful chairs they have there, most definitely that. It's a touch of shady rest, in my opinion. But you go into town, and it's pretty lively. And they have an old Carnegie Library that is now the Anacortes Museum, and that is sensational. I've been there several times. I have yet to visit Anacortes, and now I'm really looking forward to it. Matt, thank you for that. Let's go on to B, standing for Bainbridge Island. Now, Bainbridge Island is fascinating because it has a lot of close-knit culture to it, but all are welcome. It evolves around arts and crafts, so they have their share of galleries and studios. But also, there's a little bit of Hollywood. Much of Gray's Anatomy has been filmed here. And even though it's an island, we have a bridge that takes you to the Kitsap Peninsula. So you have your choice. And I'm a ferry boat person. When I have the opportunity, I want to be out there in the sound. But you could also drive there off of Highway 16th. And then they've also had their celebrities that kind of laid low and blend in with the culture. We had the professor from Gilligan Island, Russell Johnson. We had the basis for Soundgarden, Ben Shepard. We had Saturday Night Live, Chris Catan there. 
famous actor, Walter Reed, born in 1916, lived there. And then we had John Brower Minock. He was the heaviest man in the world. Take a wild guess what he tipped the scales at. Uh, here we go. Wild guess. I'm going to say the heaviest of all time. The heaviest at that time, and maybe the whole time, because I've never heard anyone being this heavy, but I saw the pictures and checked different avenues, and it was all the same information. Okay, my wild guess would be 825 pounds. You're almost at the halfway mark. He is credited for weighing 1,400 pounds. I don't know what to say. He seemed yes. happy. I look look him up. The pictures are great. He seemed like a great guy there. But How there, long did he live? He made it to age 41. And mm. if you remember the famous wrestler Haystack Calhoun, who weighed 600, yep. well, you get two haystacks together, and John is still heavier than him. But I'm not going to referee between those two guys. I don't blame you. We have even more things here. We have got the Bainbridge Island Museum of Art. We have Battle Point Park, which has two ponds, garden plots, playgrounds, trails, great place for the family. And it is a lot of fun dining there. They have the Cafe Hitchcock, Doc Marina Grill. They have proper fish because they claim they truly cook fish the way fish were meant to be cooked. And I guess it gets great reviews there. They have the Harbor Public House, Joel's Restaurant, they have the Seabird. This is a fun, quaint town that evolves around the lifestyle of artists, actors, people with low-profile incognito. You could walk up, everybody's the same, no celebrity status on people. It's a warm community where nobody bothers anyone. Lots of harmony here at Bainbridge Island. That was beautifully stated, Matt. Thank you. Let's go to C. I am particularly intrigued by this town, Coopville. Coopville is the second oldest town in the state of Washington. Now, we have cities such as Seattle and Spokane. This is the second oldest town from 1910. You and I have done shows on Coopville before. This is greatly an all-American town, and it even displays that. And, for example, throughout the entire month of October, it's a fun Halloween festival, a fun one. They also have a location that's near Fort Casey State Park, lots of camping at a World War I fort, not too far from Deception Pass State Park, where I could camp there year-round, and I could always catch good fish there. And then we have got some bed and breakfasts there, such as the Inn at Penn Cove, the Anchorage Inn Bed and Breakfast, Willow's Lodge. And then they have the Front Street Grill, the Oyster Catcher, Gordon's Fusion Cuisine. But there's even more than that. They are the south shore of Penn Cove, and they have the famous Sunnyside Cemetery of 1865. And what I found famous about it is that there were people from Europe who requested they be buried in America, and many were brought in through sailing ship. And you see these people who had lives in the early 1800s, and they were allowed to be buried there. But they were actually born overseas in Europe. 
It is a beautiful town there. Lots of trails there, lots of hiking. You can get your share of clams. They are famous for their oysters. And it is an all-American small town USA. If you are departing from the Seattle area or Tacoma or Everett, how easy is it to get to Coopville? It's very simple. You head north on I-5 to exit 230, and then you take Highway Route 20 going west, and the signs are there. When you stay on Highway 20, it takes you right through Coopville. Excellent. Thank you, Matt. Okay, we're done with ABC. We're going to let go of alphabetical because next up comes North Bend. North Bend was incorporated in 1909. And when I-90 was put in, it didn't go through North Bend. It went around it. So growing up, that was the big little town that only had one traffic light. They have more than one now, but they were very proud that, hey, just one traffic light here. And when you hear of North Bend, we think of the Twin Peaks show. Absolutely. Because that is where it was filmed. And they have Mount Si and Little Mount Si. You could hike up there for the day, and it's like being in a hot air balloon. It is magnificent all directions, that. And it's a young and old trail. It's not too arduous. Take your time. If you leave early enough, you have plenty of time to get up there, picnic maybe, and come back. They also have Rattlesnake Ridge, Sci View Park. They have the Santa train during the holidays, the Stoquami Valley Museums. They have lots of shops there. They have the North Bend Bar and Grill, the Iron Duck Public House, and they have Tweed's Cafe from Twin Peaks, and they still have a plate of their famous cherry pie waiting for you. And if you want, they'll heat it up and throw some ice cream on it. I would love to do that. I've been to North Bend. And you know, the thing is, Matt, when you go to North Bend from Seattle, you're getting away from it all, but it doesn't seem like you have to go very far to get there. You do not have to. You just take I-90 and you take the exits because, again, it runs parallel. It goes around it. But there is North Bend, and it's a big, small town. And again, the Twin Peaks wouldn't be there for any other reason. It's a perfect fitting. I agree. I own the entire series on DVD there. And uh, that reminds me, I need to watch it again. Yes. Now, of course, they did exterior shots in North Bend, and then they went back to Hollywood, you know, to, to use the studios. But for a setting, North Bend really fits the mood of the show, it seems to me. It does. It's a fun walking community. And because of the mountains, you get that nip of Arctic in the air, that little brisk nip. And I love that. You look any direction where there's a clearing, you're seeing snow-covered mountains looking back. You know, you know what I'd like to do next, Matt? Let's, let's head down to a place where I have been exactly once there, and I have a good friend who lives there. I need to go and visit him and meet him face-to-face. And um, I'm talking about Gig Harbor. So let's go to Gig Harbor because there you have a casual elegance. There it's um, it's anything but a down at heel 
place. It has elegance, it has charm, and it has friendliness to offer anyone. It most certainly does. Gig Harbor was incorporated in 1881, and on I-5, the freeway, if you take exit 132 over the Tacoma Narrows Bridge, it will lead you there. And it is known as the gateway to the Olympic Peninsula and also as the Maritime City. They have a lot of things going on there. The Beer Gig Harbor Beer Festival, the Gig Harbor Groovy Scavenger Hunt. I would love to go on that and see what we're going to find. Shamrocks in the Harbor getting ready for St. Patrick's Day. There is a lot of attractions. They have the Harbor History Museum. They have the Donkey Creek Park. They have the Harbor Wild Watch where children get to see various marine life as well as uh, bird watching, the Cushman Trail, Destiny Harbor Tours, Crescent Creek Park, electric boat rentals, heritage distilling with award-winning spirits. Here is Sabor Attractive. They have Net Shed Number 9, Anthony's Off the Water, Marketplace Grill in the Boatyard, the Greenhouse Restaurant, Hacker's Bar and Grill, which I've been to, the Gourmet Burger, and Sunset Grill. This is a fun, rustic place, and it evolves around a blend of the logging community and also the days of the sailing ships. It's a combination of the two where those ships would come, the loggers would be there, and they still have that culture about it. It is a warm, rustic place, good place to have a fire at night. And now let's, speaking of TV connections, let's take a trip out to Roslyn, Washington. Roslyn is an old railroad town established in 1886, and you just travel on I-90 going east, and eventually you see the signs for it. And that is where Northern Exposure was filmed. I was a big fan of that show. Oh, yes. They have the state's oldest running bar and a little bit of trivia. The Brick Saloon from 1889 was the first liquor license ever allowed in the state of Washington, and they're still going strong. I went to the Brick. It was beautiful. Half the community was there, a sensational kitchen, and they could tell I was an outsider, my car, me, Everybody took the time to get to know me, shaking my hand. It was so warm, and they would talk about northern exposure and how proud they were of it. They're fairly close to Lake Cleellum, which is year-round. Beautiful lake, a huge lake up in the mountains. They have Logan's Restaurant, the Coal Chute Cafe and Pub, the Roslyn Cafe, and hey, for the family, they've got Village Pizza. A lot of trails there. And I think you could get guide service because we're talking trails into the mountains and to certain springs and so forth. Mm. Roslyn, Washington. Hey, let's make a trip out to Polsbo. And you know, Matt, whenever I talk to somebody from Polsbo, I don't know why, but when they mention the town name, they always say Polsbo like that with, I don't know why. There is a I don't reason know why, why exactly that inflection, but I get that from everybody who's from Polsbo. It becomes Polsbo. Polsbo was incorporated in 1907, and to get there is exit 132, taking us over the Tacoma Narrows Bridge. And here is the why behind that. It is referred to as Little Norway. 
It ah. is famous for its for its um, Nordic waterfront structures, Scandinavian, beautiful. And also in the heart of town, there's a 12-foot statue of a Viking called the Norseman. The, the town is very Norwegian historic culture. Lots and lots of artifacts there. And here are some of the amazing attractions. They have the U.S. Naval Underwater Museum, Sea Discovery Center, Frank Rapp Park, Liberty Bay, Paulsville Fish Park, Paulsville Heritage Museum. And also, they have great restaurants. They have the Loft at Latitude 47, the Crabtree Kitchen, Delabaya, Envy Barn Grill, JJ's Fish House that I guess is really popular with children, families, the Brass Kraken Pub, the Greenlight Diner, Olf Pizza, Casa Luna. There's a lot here. I'm still calling it Polsbo, unless I guess when I go there, I'll just, you know, do as the locals do. Well, <laughs> let's go back a little bit of the history. They have the famous Paul's Bowl bread, which is sold worldwide, but only baked in Paul's Bowl. The ingredients, they found them in the Bible. In the Bible, they have ingredients somewhere to make bread. They carbon copied it. It came out perfect. It got them on the map, and the rest is history. Paul's Bowl bread. Okay, Matt. Let's head to Squim. And people, in case you don't know the spelling, and I don't blame you if you don't, it's S-E-Q-U-I-M, SQUIM. SQUIM was incorporated in 1913, and it is a banana belt. It actually gets pretty warm there. Whatever's going on on the peninsula, they, they're kind of above it a bit. They get that tropical weather, so to say. They have the famous Dungeness Lighthouse from 1857, provided you're willing to take the five-mile hike, and I heard it is well worth it. And it's also known as the Lavender Capital of North America. And trust me, many days you smell lavender throughout, and then you'll see that field of purples and violets rolling hills there. They have got quite a image with the lavender there. I've had that experience, actually. Yes, yes, it's everything you say. Yes, exactly. They have the Squim Museum of Arts. They have the James Center Performing Arts. They have the Cary Blake Park, Dungeness Native Center, Pioneer Memorial Park, the Railroad Bridge Park, and they also have the Port Townsend and Hood Canal Museum there. And we have fun restaurants there. The Highway 101 Diner, the Big Elk Restaurant, Black Bear Diner. I love those names because, hey, we are out, out of the peninsula. Dockside Grill, Paradise Restaurant, Salty Girls Seafood Company. This is a fun town, Squim. And when you're at Squim, you are very close to the Hood Canal Bridge. You're very close to Port Townsend, and you're just outside of Port Angeles, but you could also go to Forks, Hurricane Ridge, around the peninsula either direction. It's quite a vantage point right there. Absolutely, and let's squeeze in one more. Port Townsend, 
that ought to be great for fans of Victorian architecture. You and I certainly know Port Townsend, established in 1851. And again, it's exit 132 Tacoma Narrows Bridge and just follow the signs. This is the tip of the Olympic Peninsula. And among other things, they have the Point Wilson Lighthouse from 1879, St. Paul's Episcopal Church from 1865, a county courthouse from 1892. And let's talk about movies. An Officer and a Gentleman at Fort Warden Historical State Park, which has magnificent campgrounds and restaurants, because I have camped there before and toured that place many, many times. They have the Jefferson Museum of Art, Puget Sound Coast Artillery Museum, Fort Flagler Historical State Park is nearby. So when you're at one of the state parks of the forts, you could see the other two forts facing. It was a really I'd love to see the Victorian homes. We have the Victorian homes. And among other things, we have the Palace Hotel from 1889, the Monarch Hotel from 1889. Here's one you and I are familiar with, the Manarissa Castle Hotel from 1892 with quite a history behind it. We have the Port Townsend Inn and the Waterfront Place to also to stay at. The Ann Starrett House is another one. Many, many colonial mat- mansions going back to the early 1800s. Matt Shea, thank you so much for joining us again. We will find more small town charmers, towns with that small town charm, that graciousness, Washington State style. Maybe the next time you're on, we'll get into some more of those towns. Thank you, Matt Shea. Always a joy to talk to you. Thank you, Gary. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk, along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue. Until next time, dream well and drive safely on the American Road. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure.